Well, good morning, Crossroads Church. It's so good to have you here, or may I say, thank you for having me in your home uh, this morning. Um, welcome. And um, this is Holy Week, as we've heard already, Palm Sunday, and I guarantee you this, uh, this will be probably one of the more memorable Holy Weeks that you experience. But as uh, Pastor Elaine said earlier, um, I'm truly believing that this is one of those weeks that uh, is, is going to not have those typical markers, um, those typical events, those typical things that we do, but uh, I truly believe it's a, a space and a time that, that the Lord wants to do some amazing things uh, in your life in the lives of those people around you, in the life of our church and our community. I truly believe that we're to be expecting God to do some supernatural things this coming week. So be expectant and uh, be prayerful, pressing in uh, to all that God has for you and for your family. And uh, let's uh, come together next Sunday in celebration on Easter Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 14. And last week and this week, we've been in a section of scripture, John 13, 14, and 15, which is the Passover discourse, uh, theologians call it. It's uh, the account of Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. And this morning, I want us to look at John chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 1. Now, if you know that uh, about this time, it is an epic scene, really. Um, we have paintings, we have art that, that depicts this upper room time that Jesus had with his disciples. When you think about it, Jesus is at this point and, and he gets uh, um, with his, his disciples. They've been together for three years. They've, they've been through thick and thin with, with each other. And then here in this place, so Jesus has just come, to, remember the triumphal entry uh, on Palm Sunday, the Sunday that we, we celebrate and He's come through this and they're in this upper room and he's talking about his kingdom. He's gonna set up his kingdom and they're so excited. They've been, they've been walking with him and ministering with him for three years and then all of a sudden, what does he say? He says, I'm leaving. And you're like, what? Uh, you know, could you imagine here that, so this is the same Jesus who said, the spirit of the Lord is on me, uh, preaching good news to the poor, uh, release to the captives. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to, I've come to redeem Israel and they're catching on to this and they're all excited about this. Now all of a sudden he's saying he's leaving. It's like, oh my goodness. Like you talk about, you know, hitting rock bottom. It, you know, it's, it, it's almost like for those of you who are 40 and over, you remember the record players and all of a sudden the, the needle skips across it and it's this, this screech across the, the record player. It's almost like that happens in this upper room when Jesus says that he's leaving. It, it, it's crash and burn time for them and they, they're thrown into this panic. You know, when I was a kid, uh, we, used to, uh, um, we used to make go-karts. And we had this great hill behind our house. Uh, myself and a few friends of mine, we lived uh, within doors of each other, you know, uh, on the same block. And we had this great hill in the street behind our house. And we'd make these go-karts. We'd, we'd 
pull up all the scrap wood together and we'd, we'd get some foam to put in the seat so it was a nice cushy ride for us. And, and we'd try to uh, um, you know, cannibalize some wagons from, uh, from the neighborhood and get the wheels. Wheels were the hardest thing to find, by the way. But we'd, we'd throw these wheels on and we'd get this go-kart and sometimes we'd come up with a complex way to steer. Other times we'd just, you know, a board with a couple of ropes and, and you held on for dear life. And this, this hill was fairly steep down our back, uh, down the back of our homes. Well, we'd get uh, the test driver in and in our minds, we knew that this thing was gonna make, you know, break land speed records. And, and so we'd get our test driver in, we'd throw, we were in Canada, of course, so we put a hockey helmet on him just for safety, you need to be safe. And we'd, we'd get the dude in, you know, one of our friends in and we'd, we'd push and, and get him going down this hill. And I remember this one time, he, uh, he'd get going, Tom was his name, his buddy of ours, he was in there and he was driving and he got about 50 yards down this back uh, street, just tearing uh, the, the speed and all of a sudden, two of the wheels just go flying. They fell off, they went flying off into the bushes and stuff. Well, I tell you, Tom came to an abrupt screeching halt. Well, this is kind of the, the scene that I, I picture in my mind every time when I read this account of Jesus and the disciples, they're clipping along, they're going, life is good, everything is great, and then all of a sudden, the wheels fall off. Jesus says he's leaving. Uh, you talk about the struggle that they're going through, this, this feeling that, that life has come to an abrupt halt. You know, I got thinking about that this week and maybe you're feeling that right now. You know, we've heard all about what's going on in, in our nation and around the world. Um, you don't even have to turn on the news to listen to what's going on. You probably are experiencing it in, in your home. You're probably experiencing it with some loved ones around you. And during this global pandemic, the weight of all that's going on Guaranteed you've had some plans and some goals and some dreams and now everything has changed. Things are on hold. Maybe some hopes and dreams are even destroyed. Well, I have to tell you this, that I really struggle when plans change. It's just a part of my character. I, I love to dream and I love to hope and I hate it when plans get ab abruptly changed. You know, hearing stories from people around town, friends of ours, even friends in Canada and in Illinois. Wedding plans, upcoming wedding plans have been postponed for some friends of ours. Birthday celebrations, anniversaries. I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Luke and, and uh, Britt just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. Well, Luke was in quarantine after getting back from Philippines. You know, for us in our home, we have a senior a high school senior and obviously prom has been interrupted and some of those year-end celebrations have been interrupted. We still have big question marks in our minds about what graduation will look like in those year-end things. And I'm sure for you, a lot of those similar things are going on. Big life events, maybe it was a vacation. Maybe this week, we've been talking about Easter and your traditions and your celebrations that you typically have around the Easter weekend. All hope seems lost, but thankfully, and I want you to hear this, thankfully, your perspective and my perspective, our perspective is not always reality. 
Back to the disciples. I want you to take a look at John chapter 14, starting at verse 1. And right in the middle of this panic and fear, remember Jesus has just said he's leaving. Here's what he says in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas pipes up in, in verse five and he says, no, Lord, we don't know the way. Help us out here. We, we have no idea where you're going. And then Jesus told him, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We've been talking about these I am statements of Jesus, the red letters in the New Testament where Jesus speaks. And here again, Jesus says, I am. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he says, trust me, trust me in this. There, you see, there's a place, the, the kingdom of my father, and, and it's for your benefit. He's, he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, I'm going to this place and it's for your benefit. It's a place where you will dwell. It's a place where you, you will live. First thing he says is, I'm the way. He says, the way to that destination is through me. You can't get there any other way. I am how you gain access. And one person said, you know, Jesus isn't just a road sign. He's not just that direction pointing and saying, over there, over there. <coughs> you see, our personal relationship with Christ is the link in our connection to our Father in heaven. Jesus says, I'm the way. He goes on and says, I'm the truth. He says, I am the source of every bit of information that you will ever need. He says, I have an intimate knowledge of my Father in heaven, an intimate knowledge of my Father in heaven, and I'm here to reveal that, and I'm here to reveal him to you. You see, nowadays, and this has always been the case, but even more so now, we're craving information. We're craving knowledge. We, we, want, we want truth. We want, we want the news. And, and, and you and I know it's changing by the minute these days. Christ reveals the Father to us. And here he's telling his disciples and he's telling us that that, that is news and that's, that's information that doesn't change. It's constant. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. There's a peace and an assurance and faith and joy. And in him, there is no shadow of dishonesty or falsehood or lying whatsoever. Jesus says, I am the truth. You can rely 100% on me. And finally, he says, I'm the life, both now and for all of eternity. I am the only way to experience the fullness that you crave. The way you were wired, the way you were made. Remember last week, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and, and that is how you produce 
fruit if you abide and you remain. It's the way we're wired to stay connected to Christ. And as a result, the fruit is an automatic byproduct. And Jesus says, I am this way through which you can experience all of fullness that you crave and that you are wired for. I am the only one capable of ultimately preserving your life. Let me say that again. I want you to think of the context of of our world and our community today. I want you to think of your future and your eternity as well. Jesus says, I am the only one capable of ultimately preserving your life. There's no other source of life besides me. You know, you can try. You can attempt all you want. You can manage, you can conspire, you can can prep. There's no substitute. Jesus says, I am the life. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three gospel writers all said the same account. They, They made a point of writing this down, what Jesus said. Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to try to figure out how to do it on their own, you can try and try, but you're gonna, you're gonna fail. He says, whoever loses his life for me will save it. You see, this is a perspective. And it's a perspective that, that brings relief and it brings comfort and it brings hope. And I guess in some ways, it's, it's relatively easy to think about eternity in those, in those terms, that there's hope and there's a future and, and there's this, this yet to come. But what about here and now? What about today? What about the trials and the struggles and the adversity and the heaviness? You see, a few weeks back when we looked at Jesus' statement that he said, I am the good shepherd, He also said in that same story that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We'll have struggles. We'll have these trials. And here at the end of Jesus' conversation with his disciples in that upper room, in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He goes on to say, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He himself was admitting, he was telling his disciples, you're going to have trouble in the here and the now. It's no different for for us in the here and the now. That's the picture for us today. There is the then and there, but there's also the here and now. There was a 16th century Spanish mystic. His name was St. John of the Cross. And he wrote a poem years and years ago, centuries ago. It was called Dark night of the soul. I got thinking about that this week and thinking that many of you are probably sitting right in your living room right now saying, I could probably qualify for writing a poem like that called Dark Night of the Soul. But you know, it's interesting that St. John of the Cross wrote this poem called Dark Night of the Soul, and yet it wasn't a lament of hopelessness. It wasn't a poem about a dead end of despair. Rather, it was a journey through a range of emotions that lead toward resolve. 
It was a poem about a roadmap through a wilderness leading to life, life to the full. That's the poem that he wrote. You know, he wrote another poem. It was called The River of Suffering. You might say that he had some good titles to his, to his poems, but uh, he was a real encouraging guy. You'd probably not want to go for coffee with him that much. <laughs> but nonetheless, he wrote another poem called The River of Suffering. I'm going to read a f- few lines to you. It says, And I saw the river over which every soul must pass to reach the kingdom of heaven. And the name of that river was suffering. And I saw a boat which carries souls across the river and the name of that boat was love. You know, he was talking clearly about trials and tribulations, about dark nights of the soul, about suffering. But he was also talking about it being a journey through to a place of relief and rest, faith and trust and life everlasting in the presence of God. You see, in the beginning, this world was created perfect. God created it, and what did he say? He said, it is good. He said, it was very good. And then we know in Genesis 3, sin into the world, Adam and Eve sinned, and there was a separation from our Father in heaven. There is a sin problem that interrupted our relationship and our connection with God. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. The consequences of that fall, of that sin, was separation and death. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, each and every one of us falls short of God's righteous requirement and each one of us is separated from God. Like Paul says in Ephesians 2, we're deserving of wrath. But God. Many times we talk about those words here at Crossroads, but God. And we're told that God sent his son, Jesus on a rescue mission sent from heaven. As St. John of the Cross said, it's this boat or this bridge leading us back home to God. Ephesians 2 goes on to say, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy raised us up to him. There's hope and there's eternal life. In John 3, we, we read and we hear, we, we've, we've studied and we've memorized for God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. They wouldn't experience the wrath of God, but instead would experience the grace and the peace and the forgiveness and the eternal life. It goes on to say that that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world through him. Romans 6 goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, through through the cross of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And it's to us to believe and to receive. John 1 says, yet to those who did 
believe him, to those who would receive him, to those who would believe in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Like the disciples, today we're faced with a setting that's bleak. Today we're faced with a setting that we're prone to fear and worry and terror and hopelessness. But I truly believe that God is revealing himself to you today. God is inserting himself into your life today. And that perspective that you have, he wants to change into his reality. You see, you're not the one in control. It's it's not about your picture of freedom or of success or of peace or of security. You know, I can conjure up all those things. I can manage, I can manipulate, but those aren't accurate. Because as a result of my managing, I'm sure you've experienced this, as the result of your managing or your um, uh, moving and maneuvering, there's fear and worry and confusion. May I suggest this is truly the place where God is speaking to you. Right in this moment, he's calling you, he's revealing himself to you, he's inviting you. He truly wants to bring you through that dark night. He wants to take you out across that river of suffering into a relationship with him. I'm gonna invite the worship team to join me up here and we're gonna close in just a minute. But I truly believe that today is a day to consider the invitation from Christ himself to follow him and to surrender your life to him. You see, there came a point in my life where I was pretty sure of what I was doing, the plans I was making, the direction I was going. But I came to a place where I realized that it was empty. There was fear, there was worry, there was anxiety, there was stress. There was a place where I realized that the things that I was putting my hope and my faith and my trust in were fleeting. And I came to a point where I surrendered my life to Christ. I repented of my sins and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I acknowledged his death on on the cross on my behalf and I submitted my life to him. There's a change and a transformation that goes on. There's a, a, a redeeming that goes on. There's a resetting and a renewing of our mind that goes on. And I'm inviting you to consider that today. Have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? Have you ever accepted him as that envoy sent from God to solve the problem of sin in your life? That separation that has existed. And I want you just to stop for a moment, right in the place where you're at. And you might be uh, a kid in elementary school. You might be in, in middle school or high school. You might be a college student. You might be in early parts of your career. You might be a seasoned veteran of an adult. Wherever you're at in life, I want you to stop for a moment and ask the question, have I surrendered my life to Christ? I'm inviting you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. Lord Jesus, my prayer is that those who hear my voice right now 
would hear the prompting of your Holy Spirit. They would understand and come to a, a knowledge and a, 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 that their eyes would be open, that you were sent from your Father full of grace and truth. You came to give your life so that each and every one of us would be set free from sin. So in this place, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you receive his sacrifice on your behalf? Would you surrender your life to him? And if so, a simple prayer of saying, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Lord, I receive you. I believe that you are the one. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God, sent from God in heaven to pay the price for my sins. I thank you and I acknowledge your death on the cross on my behalf, the payment of sin for me so that I would be the righteousness of God. I could become a child of God. And so, Lord, I receive you as my Savior today. And, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done on my behalf. Lord, I step out in faith and I receive you and I walk into the family of God, a child of God, eternal life. Lord, I believe that you are the way. I believe that you are the truth and I believe that you are the life. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd like to hear from you this week. If you wouldn't mind uh, picking up the phone, uh, calling the church office, or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to send you some information on how you can take that next step in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but today is a, a time of recommitment for you, is restating that in your life and reaffirming what Christ has done on your behalf. What a great day to do it. I'd love to hear from you too. Any way that we as pastors and staff and elders can come alongside you, we'd love to do that. This is a wonderful week. It's Holy Week. We're celebrating the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. Until then, the Lord bless you and keep you.